Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome back to the Men's Divorce and Cordell Cordell Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO. And today, again, bring you information for guys before, during, and after divorce and all things related to that. And today is no different. And I always you know, start these podcasts out by saying it's not legal advice. We can't do that through a podcast, through something like this. You just can do that via a consult. You can schedule that initial meeting or subsequent meeting with your attorney. You can do that at CordellCordell.com. You can do that right there on the web. You can go to schedule a consult now. You can see a calendar. You can enter your zip code and find an office nearest you. You can do that just by going on to the web. You don't even have to pick up the phone. If you want to pick up the phone, you can do that by giving us a call at 866-DADS-LAW, 866-DADS-LAW. Check out all of our YouTube channel videos, virtual town halls, podcasts, subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you get alerted every time we drop a new podcast. You want to check out our entire month of June virtual town hall Father's Friday series. Had a great time with that. Some really wonderful guests that we had on our show ended it up last week with The Art of Fatherhood. It's another podcast. You want to check that out as well, Art of Fatherhood. But it was a great time in our virtual town hall uh, with that uh, guest, Art of Fatherhood. So uh, today is let's get started. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show out of Kansas City. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So we're going to talk about uh, religion and divorce, how they intersect, where they cross over, what it is. And, you know, it, it's sometimes, you know, it's a dicey topic of talking about religion. It's kind of, you know, that you want to whisper it. But uh, before we get into that, why don't you give us a little bit of history, kind of your background and why this topic is relevant and important to you? Well, and, and I think you you nail it right off the bat. It's It's kind of a touchy topic. Right. As I was writing it down, as I was signing up to what what should I talk about on on this uh, webcast, the idea came to me. Let's talk about religion and divorce. And as I was typing it in, I was like, man, I I, I just don't know. I don't know if it's if I should go there. But I felt like, you know, I, I had to. Right? Um, right. And if anyone's going to try to tackle it, I thought I was uniquely positioned to do so. So I had kind of a unique path towards the law and unique path towards uh, becoming a family law attorney. Uh, originally, when I got out of college, I was going into the ministry. Um, I was part of a church, did a church uh, apprentice program for a couple of years, did a class in Hebrew and Latin and did the whole thing. Yeah. Um, spent a couple of years uh, as a children's pastor and uh, that was my world. And then my wife and I started to foster. Right. So we started doing foster care while I was on a church staff and had actually 29 different foster kids come through our house uh, one after another. Not not 29 at once, <laughs> obviously, mm-hmm. but but one after another, we had 29 kids come to our house and was very involved in the foster care world. And we had went to a conference in the conference. There's a family law judge uh, that handled a lot of foster cases where we were um, in the jurisdiction that we were in. And she 
at the end of her talk, asked the entire audience, and it was some like 500 different foster care families, said, if any of you has the education and inclination, the ability, please go to law school. We need more family law attorneys. We need more family law attorneys that care about families in crisis. You all obviously do. Please, if any of you want to, please go to law school. Um, and I did. Yeah. <laughs> so my, my wife and I talked history. about it. And <laughs> that fall, I was in law school. Um, yeah. So we did it. That that happened in, in March. And that coming fall, I was I found myself in law school. So that's kind of my journey from the church over to the law side of things. And uh, I think uh, with that background, it's allowed me to address some of these issues that pop up in divorce that often aren't really spoken about and yeah. often talked about. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing. It's it's you know, everyone can bring their unique experience into law rather than you know, the hundreds of thousands of really smart lawyers who maybe are good at arguing. But that's where religion, I think, and good conversation today comes into play here because it does you know, happen and they do intersect. And why does it matter? I mean, and that's really the question is, is how is it that religion affects divorce? And now you bring this unique experience into it and we can make a difference. And each each one of us brings something different. So that's why I think this is a great topic. So let's start there. Kind of how does religion affect it and, and kind of talk well, about it and the history of it, right? Yeah. And I think it's important to realize, and I talk when I get a new client, one of the first talks that we have, it's a very intimate relationship between your divorce attorney and, and a client. Um, I'm going to talk about things about your finances and your relationships and how you parent your kids and all these very intimate topics. And yet a lot of times we just kind of really leave religion on the table. Um, a lot of times we just don't want to go there and it's a shame. And I don't, I think Th that relationship needs to address that the the attorney-client relationship needs to address that in the context of divorce particularly I, I mean most people are religious uh I, I know we don't talk a lot about in society and it's one of those topics that we want to uh, oftentimes don't want to go into but as of 2021 Gallup poll did a study and it was three out of four people um, claim to be of a religious persuasion. And so this can be a very large part of our clients' lives. It can be something that they define themselves as and they find as part of the identity. And that's going to affect how they operate in divorce. That's going to affect how their spouse is going to operate in a divorce. And I think there's really a disservice that happens if we don't address that early on in our relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's so interesting. I've said this so many times, you know, in, a, in my license, I always look over it, it says attorney and counselor uh, at law, which is interesting. And you think, what what does that really mean? You know, and we, we, we try to, you know, deal with individuals, not in that therapeutic way, but in some ways, yes, right. And, you know, we I always say, I want to take care of the client, both legally and say, you know, how are you doing, you know, personally? And so religion also comes into play. It could be something that allows them to give them comfort in a time of high stress. But in my head, you know, this is my 31st year of practice. And I think back and religion has come into play in a number of different aspects, whether, you know, they both had a similar belief system, but then it diverged. And now religion is important when they have children. How are they going to raise their children? I've had a Jewish couple where you know, the standard set of holidays are not their holidays. And now you're arguing about, 
what holidays are to be included in, in a parenting plan. You know, it is people, you know, religion is a four letter word, you know, and it's that, as you say, it's the elephant in the room and that needs to be discussed and, and don't be afraid of it. Right. Right. And what can happen too is that sometimes, and this is why I think it's important for, for us to talk about this and, and get kind of word out. I found it can be a barrier to getting legal help. Yeah. So there are there's a class of people out there that's going to go through a divorce. Their spouse has left them. They're in a religious community that it, it's you know divorce is you know not something that you talk about, and they just want it to go away. Right? They don't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it. And so they're going to sign on a dotted line, not seek legal help, not go talk to someone um, like you or I. And they're going to agree to things just to placate or or try to get past the situation. And I've seen a lot of those clients. I, I get a lot of those clients on the back end. And I think because Cordell and Cordell is who we are, um, you know, we have a, a great reputation and we have a strong foundation for helping uh, guys through difficult situations. Um, we get a lot of that bat cleaning, you know, batting cleanup. Batting yeah. Cleanup. Um, Absolutely. So, you know, we, we get a lot of guys coming to us on the back end after they signed on the dotted line and a year into it, two years into it, they're trying to co-parent their kids and realize that they gave away the farm and they didn't seek any help on the front end because, you know, they they felt responsible for the divorce, possibly. And the there's a lot of things that are significant in a relationship on a religious level that may or may not translate for it to be legally significant at all. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think the example I use a lot for that is, uh, you know, there's a, guy, a lot of guys that come in with porn use as being a reason for the divorce. You know, the wife found, found out that they were looking at something that they, you know, weren't supposed to be looking at in the context of their marriage. And uh, I'm going to leave you and I'm going to go talk to the pastor and this is going to be a, a thing. And that is awkward, right? That's a horrible yeah. situation to be at in a marriage. And a lot of those gentlemen who, who find themselves in that predicament, they don't want to come and get a console, right? They right. don't want to come and talk to someone like me because there's embarrassment and there's guilt yeah. and there's all sorts of things attached to that. Um, but I can tell what you right shame, now, right. you know, we get in front of a judge and a opposing party says, oh, I want to keep the kids just to myself because he looked at, you know, Playboy's website, that's not going to be an argument that a judge is going to care about too much. Right, right. Um, so uh, I think just acknowledging that some of this is really awkward. Some of this is, is you know, taboo for people to talk about. But people going through divorce need to talk about it. We, we need to sit down. You need to come and talk to someone who knows what they're doing and knows how these things work in front of a judge so we can set up a fair divorce for people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting, you know, the number of years I've had, or you mentioned they wind up with a bad deal is they don't believe in divorce and, and their religious beliefs talk about it. And so they just don't come in. And I'll, then they come in afterwards and saying, oh my gosh, the result is terrible. And so we do have to kind of clean up the mess a bit because I do think there's a balance. There's a balance in religion and divorce, and it's not one or the other. It's not a mistake true to that and not do it. I think you can do both. And 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 you find someone who 
can understand that, especially like in your role, right? And, you know, when I first started in, in Mr. Cordell and Mrs. Cordell, and we advertised on Christian radio, and that's kind of our background. And uh, I have maintained, and so have they, that we always tell clients, look, uh, make sure your marriage is irretrievably broken. We're not pushing you into divorce. And uh, I, I will send clients away and say, you know, if you're not certain, then you need to go and work on your marriage because a bad marriage is better than a terrible divorce. And, uh, you know, it's a, com- it's a complicated statement, but in, well, the underpinnings of it are religion. And, and don't you find, though, that that's a minority of people coming to the door? In, in yeah. my experience, there's, there's a few people that come in and it's the, you know what, I'm just bored. You know what, we just don't, we just can't seem to get along. We've been, we've been barking at each other a little bit more than usual. Um, that happens. We, we get those clients coming in, but it's the minority of clients. Most right. clients uh, I do find are going through some really hard stuff that are, they're, they're going through, um, you know, infidelity. They're going through divorce. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going through legitimately. We just, we can't do this anymore. Um right. And um, in the religious context, I think that that that's okay, right? Uh, and, and I think that I find a lot of times, again, I, look, I, I'm not a, I have no background in mental health. I've, uh, I, I am no longer an ordained minister. So I tell people a lot of times, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not your therapist, I'm not your priest. Um, you know, I'm a lawyer. I'm here to help you on the legal side of things. That being said, you know, I think it is important for for people to explore that kind of dichotomy that you're talking about. It's like, I, I can be true to my faith. I can be um, someone religious and still ask for justice, right? And still ask for fairness and still seek legal help and make sure that I'm not getting taken advantage of um, and, and making a mistake that I'm going to re- regret later. Yeah, I mean, there is that that stigma that that forces them to think that they should not engage, and and that can be any further from the truth. And I think there's a wonderful balance. And I, I'm even, you know, some of the states around the country, obviously, and our listeners, they don't provide for a legal separation uh, where you can live separate but still maintain your marriage. That's an alternative we used to do a lot of early in my career, simply because of my clientele who had you know strong faith and. Uh, that was okay. There are alternatives, there are solutions and there are ways. But again, as you suggest, you know, I'm not a counselor, we're not trained. I am certainly not, you know, a, a pastor. And so we, I encourage them to go deal with the whole, then, you know, we'll take care of your marriage part and, and we'll deal with that. But you go take care of therapy, you go take care of, you know, getting faith-based type of consults and feeling good about that. And it's a good balance. It's not an all-in-one solution by coming to your lawyer. And, and I think it's also, again, there's that we want to we want to make sure our clients are getting all the help they they that they need. Um, and there's that personal aspect for our clients, but also just on a strategic level, we need to have the religion talk. Yeah. Um, you know, I had a I had a case where you know both parties were very religious. They were part of a close knit um, uh, community of very religious folk, and she was being told and she had to have sole custody, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was the thing she wasn't going to walk. If I don't get sole custody, it's going to be because a judge has pried it from my hands. There's no way I can sign a piece of paper that I don't end up with sole custody because he did this, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that was a moral imperative for her. So it was beyond just a, a legal strategy for her. 
it was a, I have to end up with soul custody. Yeah. And so realizing that what we ended up doing, we were sitting down, we were having settlement discussions and uh, you know, we, I, I walked her through some questions like, well, he has contact with the kids now, right? So you're not worried about any kind of safety concern, right? You're, you're not worried about a safety concern. No, he's a great dad, but I need sole custody. Okay. <laughs> well, so so it sounds like you're okay with with him having this every other weekend that he's looking for and, and Monday and, and uh, Thursday nights, you're okay with it. Yeah, I'm fine with that, but I have to have sole custody. Okay. Well, do you think you'd be able to talk about, you know, you and him having to make a decision about educational and medical decisions and kind of major life decisions. You think you and him could work together? Yeah, I can work to him to that, but I have to have leave. So what we ended up, we ended up drawing up a parenting plan that gave her legal custody, but gave our client everything that you would get in a joint custody situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so important for her to be able to go to her community and say, I ended up with sole custody. Right. Um, even though, again, we tailored it to to where she got to achieve her goal, but our client got the parenting time that he really was yeah. needing and deserved. Yeah. Uh, and so it's things like that that you know, if if we don't have an eye on what's motive, what's motivating our clients, what's motivating mm-hmm. a opposing party, um, why are they having the fights that that they they're having, and and why are we getting stuck up on certain parts of negotiation? And sometimes that is is their religious belief, and we need to have that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you mentioned thinking about it in early in my career, dealing with um, uh, two very orthodox Jewish individuals who we went to the Bet Din, and then there was the kind of the rabbinical court where they resolved all disputes, and that was very important to them. We counseled them of kind of what to do, and then let that court and tribunal take over from there, which was very interesting. And it, it is; it's a a good intersection of of the law and faith and religion and customary, you know, practices. And uh, I think you can make everyone happy in that regard. And I think that's kind of the, the way to approach it. So kind of looking at your history and kind of your experience and um, what kind of recommendations would you have or advice for clients who kind of thinking about divorce in the middle of a divorce um, and, you know, kind of that balance of religion. So, Again, I stress to my clients, look, you need it, whatever religious authority you have in your life or whatever religious um, group that you're a part of, go go to those people. Let's have that talk. It's an awkward talk, but go have that talk with someone you trust um, because I'm, I'm, I don't fulfill that role for you. Um, however, um, since I do have the background that I, that I have, um, I have noticed, and I tell clients this a lot, I have noticed that by and large, in particularly the Christian church in the United States, the stock answer has been God hates divorce, right? Yeah. And that's there, there's a ver- there's a verse in, in the Old Testament in Malachi, God hates divorce. And that's usually the stock response or the stock teaching um, in a lot of Western churches. And that's what right. I hear from a lot of clients that come in that are religious. Yeah. It's like, I hate to be here. I know God hates divorce. I know God hates divorce. I, I I failed. I should have got be able to keep my marriage together. It's not right. going to happen. And so now I'm in the doghouse. I know I am. Um, and so what I've done with a, a few clients is I've tried to balance that out a little bit. It's like, yes, I, I would agree with that. God hates the f- divorce. Um, but he also values a lot of other things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is a balance. And this is, 
this is not only in Christian morality or in religious morality. This is, I mean, if you go back to Aristotle, this is morality 101. It's it's a balance of competing goods, right? And and that's, you know, the classic moral conundrum. If your family was starving, would you steal a piece of bread? That kind of, you know, moral thing that that freshman philosophy majors talk about. Right. But it is. It's it's a balance of competing goods. And so is there a good to staying married? Absolutely. If you can pull it off, you can get therapy. If you can, if you can make it work, if you can put an effort, there's there's value there. However, um, you know, if we're talking about the Christian tradition, um, there's also things that that God values as well. And those have to be balanced out. God values peace, right? That's everywhere in scripture. Um, and you see that in particularly tied to divorce in the New Testament, um, in first Corinthians, that's given as a reason to seek a divorce is at the end of the passage, it says, so that they might have peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also, you know, for, for the Jewish faith and, and for the old Testament in the Christian tradition, um, Proverbs talks about how. It's better to live in the attic than with a quarrelsome spouse. It's better to live right. in the desert than with a quarrelsome spouse. And so there is a value that God places on, look, you need to get to a place where peace can exist. Um, and so that's that's a value that I think we need to, to highlight for clients and, and counterbalance. Also, you know, again, specifically with divorce, God also values fidelity. Sexual infidelity is huge. Um, You know, I I don't know if you've looked at the recent stats. A lot of stats, they acknowledge that it's a hard thing to measure. It's a hard thing to actually track on who's remaining faithful and who's not, because, again, it's inherently something that we're not going to want to talk about. But estimates, um, last I looked into it, were about 20 to 50 percent of people that are in a monogamous relationship Mm. um, are unfaithful. In my experience, um, going through a, a lot of divorce clients, I, I think that's concerned. I think that's on the light end. Um, right. If I were to pay to put, put a number, I'd, I'd probably put it over 50%. And again, the Bible is very clear on we value fidelity. Um, and not just for the, the sexual nature of it, but, you know, the God of the Bible likes oaths, right? It likes, yes, let your yes be your yes, let your no be your no. Um, do what you say you're going to do. Um, and if you promise yourself to another person, you know, keep your oath. Um, and that's that's a value that we see in Scripture. Um, God also values safety. Um, I, I think a lot of damage has been done to religious households where, and it's traditionally, um, you know, when we study domestic violence, um, we see more instances of male on female violence. Um, but there is also, and I think understudied, female on male violence. Yeah. And I think that there's um, a class of people who are deserved by not seeking a divorce where there's violence in, in that. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right. Um, and I think it's very clear in scripture on look, this is a very understood, reasonable rationale for divorce. Um, and as a society, again, I don't think we've talked enough about domestic violence, um, but even less than the major broad issue of domestic violence, the issue of female and male violence is very understudied and very underreported. And I have a lot of clients that they even almost try to laugh it off. Oh yeah, she she threw a glass and it, it, it hit me on the side of the head, and I and you know I, I had bl- blood in my eye, and it, 
that's not okay, right? right. The, um, that's there are divorces that can be salvaged. Let's let's not play with this one. Let's get you out yeah. of there. Let's let's figure out how to get you to a safe space. Right. Um, I think that's important. I think it's important. And then overarchingly, um, there's there's a push for justice uh, throughout Scripture. Right. God is a God that likes justice, and what feels fair in a religious context. Um, or what sounds like it could be fair often isn't what will happen if we go through the process. And what I tell clients, um, you know, every, every client that talk starts talking with their friends and family about divorce, everybody has an uncle who went through a divorce. Everybody has a friend of a friend who just went through his second divorce. Um, and I said, well, you have to understand that, you know, we here at Cordell, this isn't our first rodeo. It's not our 10th rodeo. Right. It's not my hundredth rodeo. Um, we've done hundreds of these and the judicial system has done thousands of these. And you put numbers like that through a system and we're trying to find fairness. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's the point of the family law system. You know, in, here in Missouri, and I haven't done a study on every other state, but here in Missouri, you know, family law is a action in equity. Right. Yeah. We're, we're looking for a fair shake for both of these parties. And if you do that thousands of times through a system, we're going to get a pretty decent range where we think is what's appropriate given a certain fact scenario. And oftentimes what I find is, uh, you know, people with religious bent that don't want to enter into the process. They'll take a factual scenario and have no context for what a judge is going to do with that, have no right. context. For, for what um, the judicial system is going to handle and they need to. And that's where we come in, right? That's, yeah. uh, you know, when I'm sitting across from a client, I said, that, that's why, that's why I'm here. That's what, that's why I exist. That's why my colleagues exist. That's why Cordell exists is we're going to get you to a fair spot. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that's important. I do. And I think it's finding someone, you know, you mentioned about choosing a lawyer, like a pastor or a church. I always say it's like a doctor. You got to find someone maybe who shares your values that you're comfortable with and understands the struggle. As you say, you know, God hates divorce, but there are plenty of other scriptures that talk about, you know, welfare and a future and a hope. And you can read it all in context, but it is try to find someone and get that spiritual counseling so that you can deal with the balance and understand that you mentioned safety and justice and those are the things that's right and it shouldn't be an absolute all or nothing like i'm not going to do it because god hates divorce i'm only going to focus on uh that part of the scripture in the old testament whatever it may be and and in courts get i mean that's the whole point is don't be taken advantage of simply because of that and i and i think that's what's important and you know a a lot of these guys especially when, when we're doing this on the back end their wife will get an attorney and they'll say, well, my attorney will drop all the paperwork and you just need to sign it. Yeah. And what I explain to, to my clients is, look, they have a professional duty that yeah. they have to push for their client. Yeah. And I do the same thing. If I'm the only attorney on a divorce, I'm I'm going to write that divorce agreement to benefit my client. I have to. It's a professional responsibility that we have to our clients to, to press their advantage. And so, you know, a, a lot of guys find themselves in that situation where she lawyers up. If she lawyers up, you have to lawyer up Um, just because whatever agreement they're going to present you with, there's going to be things left on the table. There's going to be things left out. 
that are standard that that any judge is going to give you that any judge is going to think is fair and it's going to be left out of that agreement because the the attorney on the other side has to push for the advantage for their own client yeah well good stuff matt it's kind of those things that uh people don't often talk about but need to because it does happen quite a bit so appreciate uh bringing it to light and uh some good explanation today thanks for joining yeah thanks for having me on well, continue to tune in for great information, resources just like this. Check it out on our YouTube channel, social media. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Go to CordellCordell.com and, and tune into our next virtual town hall coming up this month in July. We'll bring you live uh, items where you can ask questions of our attorneys and get answers right then and right there. It's, it's free. Just sign up, log in, log on, ask questions, get answers. Until next time, have a great week.